the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Come Together San Diego, a new live local show on K-Praise designed to explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within our communities and beyond. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it. Now, here's your host, Bible teacher, writer, broadcaster, and lover of God, Kaz Taylor. Hi there, my friends. When I give you a greeting, you're going to know where I've just come from. Well, shalom. (laughs) Yes, uh, I just came back from Jerusalem, Israel, and uh, this is going to be a fully loaded two-hour show with a friend who just came back a few weeks earlier from Israel and Jerusalem, and we're going to compare notes. Yeah. And it's going to be amazing. I I want you to meet a friend who's been a a friend for a long time. Uh, He's going to be the co-host for this entire two-hour show, and he is the pastor of the Awakening International Ministry Outreach. His name is Craig Muster with Awakening International. And Craig, how you doing, man? I'm doing amazing, especially now now that... I got to go to Israel for the first time and blew my mind. I didn't. I didn't realize that was your first time. But 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 you you had an ulterior motive in going. It wasn't just being a tourist. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we didn't want to just do the regular sightseeing. <laughs> we want to get our our hands dirty. Yes, that's right. Get to mingle with the people in Israel. Well, my friends, many of you who are listening to this show know Craig Muster. He's one of the leaders of leaders in San Diego County. He's had the vision for oneness or unity in the body of Christ for decades, as have I. So we've been kind of joined at the ankle for, for, for many, many years because we've had a similar vision, haven't we? Yeah, that's it. I mean, diversity and unity in the midst of diversity. We love the differences within the body of Christ to show the full expression of who he is. And it's so much fun running together. Exactly. But the other piece of the equation is when you went to Israel, one of the things that I discovered in my several times there is there is a level of unity brewing there as well. And a lot of the things that we talk, you and I talk about as far as, you know, unity and worship and praise and things like that, it's going on there as well. It is, and it's and it's crossing not just denominational lines, but it's crossing ethnic lines. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things I noticed is I, I had a chance to look at the longitude and latitude, longitude and latitude of, of Jerusalem and San Diego. You know, there's only like one degree d- separating the two uh, on their latitude. Um, Jerusalem is thirty one point seven six eight three degrees north, and San Diego is thirty two point seven five seven degrees north. I know, in other words, it's about the same same latitude. And, and one of my friends that's uh, he, an Orthodox Jew says, same latitude, same attitude. Come on. <laughs> I love that phrase. <laughs> yeah. And if you actually do the research on the topography of San Diego, the, you know, it'll show on Google that a very close place to the topography is Israel. 
topography and climate. That's right. It's it's just amazing. You know, Craig, I thought what we would do is have fun for this entire two hours because I know you're a Bible Bible guy, as yeah. am I. You're a worship guy, as oh. am I. And uh, you're a guy who loves unity in the body of Christ, as am I. So I thought we'd uh, you and I would compare notes for the entire two hours. Come on. <laughs> that sounds like a party waiting to happen. <laughs> yes, it, it's already begun, my friends. Yes. So thank you for joining us for this two-hour show for Come Together San Diego. Craig Muster, um, start out by telling our listeners just a little bit. Give us the cliff notes uh, of, of uh, Craig Muster. Wow. Uh, passionate worshiper. <laughs> I mean, the first time when usually people go for, we used to have these all the time, find out your calling, you go forward to the altar and God speaks to you in one of those services. And I go forward and I was in my early 20s and say, God, what am I called to? And he simply said, you're called to worship me, to minister to me. He said, Ezekiel 44, you're a son of Zadok. And your primary calling for the rest of your life is to minister to me. And everything you do on top of that's just extra. As mm-hmm. long as you get that one done, everything else will work. Yeah. Son of Zadok. In the Old Testament, King David's day, Zadok was one of the high priests there. And he, yeah. his, his part of his duty was overseeing Tabernacle of David worship and praise. So that's a remarkable calling that God gave you. Oh, it's, a, it's such a privilege. I mean, how many people get to minister to people, but... When we're called to minister to God, come on, there's no better calling than that. And then, of course, we get to minister to people in the overflow. But at that point, at that it point, is the overflow. That's right. And I've been, I, I got to tell you that Craig Muster is a great keyboard player, but he's also, I mean, he, he goes right to the heart. And if he, if he had a song sheet, it doesn't last very long. He, <laughs> he starts maybe with, with obedience to the song sheet and then it gets thrown away. And he and his entire team, they just ascend to the third of heaven instantly. And that's why I love worshiping with you, man. It's remarkable. So let, let's talk a little bit. You have to also, you, you know, Carlette has to be yes. mentioned oh, in the, in the equation. Yes. What a remarkable multiple faceted person she is, your wife. Yeah, my, and my wife and I, we met at Christ for the Nations in the late 90s. We were both students. She's from Mexico, and that girl's got a roar, and she's an amazing <laughs> leader. She's a, a prophet. She's, um, she's, she's just amazing at so many different things, but when she brings something, everything changes, and uh, so just I have such a respect for her and the calling of God on her life. Absolutely love not only being married with her, but doing the stuff with her. And the kids, you took everybody and the entire church people, you know, Bray and Jill and, and other people, Bray Wyckoff and his wife, Jill. These are some amazing leaders of leaders in San Diego County that deal with the, the uh, writers and, 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 you know, and the arts. You guys just are so much involved in the arts. So it was good to have you connect with people in Israel who were, had a heart cry for the arts as well. Those are Davidic kind of people there as well. Very much so. We got to connect with a good friend of mine, Kobe and Shanif Ferguson. Kobe was my drummer when I was at Christ of the Nations. And in his his wife, Shanif, is the granddaughter of Gordon Lindsay, the founder of Christ of the Nations. And they have a ministry called Fellowship of the Artists. So we were able to do a creative collaboration with them that was brilliant. And maybe we'll have time to go into that we a little will. bit more later. We've got two hours. Oh, come on. Come this on. is going to be fun. <laughs> so we can do that. Yeah. Now, let me ask you, this was your first time there and you had to fly 15 hours or so. You know, that was one of the things that I had to, you kind of got to deal with when you're going over to almost the opposite side, you know, of, of the earth. Um, and eight, and 15 hours of in the air is a long time and your legs go, I'm rebelling right yeah. now. Thank you very much. 
But uh, once you get there, all the thoughts of the travel kind of go away, and then you just experience stuff. So as a first-time traveler there, what, you set foot in uh, Tel Aviv Airport. What's going on in Craig's mind? Wow, it's twenty over 20 years that I wanted to come and that I was praying to come. Um, when, you know, in the mid-90s, this, the, the Lord mm-hmm. just said, you got to get to my land. And I, it, from that point on, it was right before Yitzhak Rabin was assassinated. And I started praying for Israel more than ever before at that point. So when I first landed, it was a, a dream that I'd had for more than 20 years to visit the land of my best friend, Jesus. Exactly. <laughs> his home. I mean, I got to go to the place where he hung out, you know, and got to. So that was the first. And to be able to do it with family and to be able to do it with Jesus. You know, we're not just going to see where Jesus was, but I'm going with Jesus to see where he walked the earth. You know, yes, the Holy yes. Spirit's there. The Father's there. It's just, it's hard to explain. All All I can say is it's like being immersed into a 3D, uh, the best virtual reality Bible you could ever experience <laughs> um, for over a week. Yes. And one of the things, you, you have a heart after, uh, you're, you're a man after God's own heart, as was King David. So King David plays a key role. I know you visited some sites where David, uh, uh, he played, but he also uh, ran for his life. That's right. And you got to experience some things. We're going to spend some time during this entire two hours on some of those areas where David, uh, just before he became king and also times when he was the king, did amazing acts that found their way to the scripture. But my listening friend, when you go to Jerusalem, they'll also find their way to your heart. That's right. You know, I have to tell you, one of the things that struck me, I've been to the Holy Land a number of times. A couple of years ago, doing a, a video production, we did a documentary called Quest for Truth, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. But this time, I had a chance to go and just really immerse myself in the people. And I, much of my time spent this time around, all of my time was in Jerusalem, both the, the modern city and also the old old city. But most of my time was spent with Orthodox Jews, Orthodox Jews. That means that they uh, they love the Tanakh. They they consume Scripture, the Old Testament Scripture, but they don't have an understanding of Jesus. And I had an opportunity to ask why I, I did not proselytize on this trip. I just became part of the landscape, and I discovered some r- remarkable things. And some some of it I can really share with our listening friends through this two hour period. Why they have such apprehensions about receiving Jesus, and some of it is very, very valid, and hopefully it's going to open some eyes of our listeners as well. Come on. So are you ready to go on a whirlwind trip for the remainder of this two-hour period of time, Craig Muster? Let's do it. Awakening International. Yes. Well, my friends, uh, we're burgeoning with stuff. Uh, I, I, he, he was sloshing when he came into the studio. <laughs> he, he spilled a little on me when he, we hugged, and so we're going to pour it out in front yeah. of the microphone for the remainder of this two-hour period of time when Craig Muster and Kaz come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. Hallelujah. I'm with Greg Buster, a worship leader's worship leader. Hello, my friends. You know, sometimes I can't help it when there's music playing. I have to open my mouth and sing. 
And I think that's what God made us to be worshipers and praisers. Craig Muster, Awakening International, good to have you with me. We're kind of walking through Scripture, but we're also <laughs> walking through Israel from recollections of a recent trip that Craig and I both made. Yeah. You know, Craig, one of the scriptures that I love when it talks about Jesus, it talks about him being the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I don't think it would be uh, unscriptural or improper to also talk about God's holy land, Israel, and Jerusalem yesterday, today, and forever. Because you had an opportunity to really experience that while you were there. And uh, let's share some stuff from your insights there. Uh, you, you know, you had a chance to not, you know, walk through the stones and everything like that. So what was the sense when you realized you're walking on turf that was spoken of not only 2,000 years ago, but 3,000 years ago, and even 4,000 years ago, and even at the times of Adam and Eve? Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think that was what one of the things we wanted to do was we got a tour guide and a host— and the way he said it is so many people go to Israel and they run where Jesus walked. They try to see everything so mm, fast they mm. don't see anything. And so we took our time. Although we saw a lot, we went deep in the places that we went. And we didn't want to just go to to say we had been there. We wanted to to really have an experience in those locations. But it is. Something happens when, you know, I'm I'm in the in the bus and we're going down um down the road in the midst of the desert and the, the tour guide says, yeah, did you know that this place, we're about to cross the place where uh, the Jabbok River is and the city of Adam. And you mean that's the same place? She said, yeah, why? I said, no, I mean, Genesis 32 is, is where Jacob is going back to the promised land, but he's got to have an encounter with God. And so he sends everyone over the, the fort of Jabbok. So he sends everybody over the river. And that's where he wrestles with God all night at the uh, river Jabbok. And can anybody say ladder? Yeah, exactly. The, in Genesis 28 with the ladder, but when his name is changed, is at the river Jabbok. That's where God says, what's your name? And he says, Jacob, trickster, deceiver. I'm all of these things. I, I've proven it with my lifestyle. And God says, no, your name is Israel. You, you've wrestled with God and your name is being changed to Israel because you've seen my face. Mm. And now you have Joshua chapter 5, when the children of Israel are crossing the Jordan, it says that the Jordan rolled back all the way to the city of Adam. Oh my. Which means what? That in Genesis 32, one man, Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, the nation of Israel is named after him, he has an encounter with God and his name is transformed. And with that name comes a new identity, comes a new person, and that he's got to be a new person to come into the promised land. He can't come in being the old Jacob, right? (laughs) And so he's now Israel coming into the promised land. And now you have some 400, more than 400 years later, the entire nation of Israel's crossing the Jordan and God is taking it back to that one place where Jacob had an encounter. So the whole nation is now having an, the same encounter and their name is being changed from slaves to free people mm. coming into the promised land. One of the things, Craig, that I've observed in studying scripture and also yeah. going to the promised land, and that is what's true maybe to one person 
uh, or a patriarch, for example, is also true to a people group, the Jews, which is also true to many who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. So God, God just doesn't do something one time and go, that's it. He goes, this is an illustration for you to understand the bigger picture. And that's why I think as we go through uh, Israel and Jerusalem uh, yesterday, today, and forever, you're going to realize that the things that happened way back then uh, in, in one of the books of, to the Corinthians, Paul says, these things happened unto them for examples unto us. That's right. The invitation is still there. Is it, when, when we say, God, I want, I want everything you have promised me, he says, okay, then you need a name change first. Otherwise, <laughs> you're not going to see it. You're not going to see what I have for you until you think about who you are the way that I think about you. Yes. You know, that reminds me of a scripture in Revelation. You will recognize the scripture. Everyone gets a white stone. Yeah. It has their own name upon it that only the Lord and you know. Yeah. So while Jacob, while, you know, went through uh, the name change that we all get to appreciate from Jacob to Israel, God has taken uh, each one of us, Craig Muster, yes. he's written something unique that only you and he can understand, and he will speak that to you. There's a brand new name. Come on. And my yeah. listening friend, what we want to, Craig and I want to share with you is you've got a brand new name as well. And, you know, that calling that you have in your heart and the things that you just love that you say, nobody understands that. Well, God does not only that, but he has written that, inscribed that as part of your name that he's going to share with you. And, and when you realize that, it sets you free. It does. And if you know that personally and you know that God actually sees you how you really are, <laughs> you're the one that might have a, a fractured lens of yourself, but God sees you and he actually believes in you more than you believe yourself. So real repentance happens when you give up your own opinion and start going to his. <laughs> you start arguing and say, okay, I'm no longer Jacob, I'm Israel. And when that happens, then corporately, it's not just an individual breakthrough, but a whole city can actually see themselves different. Oh, wow. And I, in San Diego, you yeah. and I have the vision that God is doing that right here in this that's right. prototype city called yes, San Diego. That's right. And he's doing this also, my friend, in the city that is the original for the prototype, and that is called Jerusalem. Come on. <laughs> now you're talking... I mean, Jerusalem, when you get there, you can sense, all you can sense, you know, when Jesus said, I, how I, I wish I could gather you as a hen gathers his chicks, he's speaking of Jerusalem, right? And when you get to Jerusalem, your heart just begins to burn because his heart burns. Yes. And King David had that same uh, expression as well. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures here that show God's heart for Jerusalem, that his original heart for Jerusalem as being the a, a pinnacle place where he could actually interact yeah. and dwell with his kids. Come on. And so in Psalm 137, it talks about uh, the psalmist is saying, if I forget you, Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its cunning and may my tongue cleave to the top of my mouth. I mean, that's pretty serious stuff. And so he, he's speaking uh, as a, a, a mouthpiece of God, and he's saying, uh, you cannot, you should not forget me. Do not forget me. And, and David understood this, and he had such a heart cry for Jerusalem back in the King David days. But th that's where Psalm um, 87 comes in, talks about uh, God loves the gates of Zion more than all the habitation of Jacob. My, my. And then the script, we sing portions of this. You as a worship leader would do that as well. Glorious things are spoken of thee, O city of God. Come on. Come on. As you walk in there, you realize yeah. that this is God's. <laughs> yeah. I, I can almost, I can't talk without crying. No, it's, it's impossible. And when you get there, I mean, that's why we already, we've already scheduled another trip. February 14th, we're going back <laughs> because we had 24 people on the, on that trip and we're taking 
closer to 45 to 50 people this time. But I'm telling you, like when you get to Jerusalem, you start to realize, wow, Jesus still loves Jerusalem. I mean, you can know that theologically, but if you want to know that experientially, right, you, you don't fully know it until you get your feet on the land. Yes. You get your feet there and you realize, wow, Jesus loves Israel. He loves Israel. And we as Gentiles, we have a hard time comprehending that he, Jesus, is a Hebrew. Yeah, he is. <laughs> and, yes. and and this was his home turf. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Israel and uh, City of David and Jerusalem and Mount Zion. Yeah. Oh, he he. That's his his favorite turf right there. And I, I'll tell you what. It, yes. For for us to go there and realize that not only yesterday, as in way back in in the days of Jacob, and even before that, and what we would call Melchizedek way back yep. then, we may yep. not get there in this conversation. But all, he, he had plans there then, but also during his days on the earth, but also during his return. Yeah. Oh, it adds so much more credibility and excitement about what you're seeing there. It's crazy. And, you know, we haven't even touched Galilee, <laughs> where he spent most of his time. <laughs> yes. When you get to the Sea of Galilee and you're looking around, you get on a boat and you're going across the sea and you realize you know, this is where Jesus walked on water. Mm-hmm. This is where he hung out with his disciples. This is where he did most of his miracles, right? I mean, Israel in and of itself, the entire nation he loves. And when you get to see different aspects of God in these different locations, different aspects of Jesus in these different locations, it it still blows my mind. Our team is still on the edge of tears anytime we start talking about it. I, I know. And one of the things that you, you as a worshiper, we can identify with this more closely. And I, my friends will use this uh, topic of worship as a springboard into some of the other segments as well. But as a worshiper, when you realize that God inhabits the praises of Israel, yes, and uh, this was written in Jerusalem, in, in, in the very area, it makes you kind of want to worship and praise and see how God brings us together. But in King David's day, he realized, he got the revelation that he has to be king. He has to govern a bunch of people. He has to be a, a fighter against the bad guys. He has to be the moral uh, leader. He has to be the spiritual leader, all these different things. And it all has to, ha- has to be tied to that intimacy of worship. That's it. So let's spend a little bit of time as we go. We'll dig a little bit more into King David's life and lifestyle and the things that he experienced uh, in the following segments. My friend, we hope that this time that Craig and I spend with you helps you ascend to a higher level because God really wants us to change our focus from the mundane day-to-day, get up, brush your teeth, go to work, watch a a TV show at night, uh, brush your teeth again, and go to bed. This is so much more. So much more. And he so wants us, and, and by going to the Holy Land, that helped ignite that in you afresh, didn't it? Oh, very much so. <laughs> yeah, the invitation just goes deeper. And something happens, it's, it feels like in, your insides just begin to enlarge. There's, there's an enlarging in your capacity to understand, uh, which, of course, with understanding, every time God wants to give us understanding, it's so that we can actually create habitations rather than visitations. Say that again. Yeah, every time God gives us understanding, it's so we could repeat something. And you repeat it enough to where you shift something from visitation to habitation. Wow, 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 wow. And that's what God wants to do with us. He wants to do that to his Jewish people. That's right. He wants to do that to his Gentile people. When you have the Jewish people and the Gentile people having that same vision and heart, 
all of a sudden his body gets to be his body. Watch out. And, and watch out world. Watch out, watch out <laughs> and, world. And yeah. watch out church age transitioning into the kingdom age. Come on. We are so close yeah. to that, Craig. We are so close to that. Yeah. My listening friend, this concludes the uh, second part of eight, eight parts of our, our of our show. We're talking a little bit about uh, Israel, Jerusalem, uh, and the city of David yesterday, today, and forever. We talked broadly in this segment about the, the kind of the broad brushstroke of the Holy Land and, and, you know, Sea of Galilee and beyond. In the next segment, Craig, would you join me? And let's dig a little bit more deeply, not only into that, but also into King David's life and how those things relate to us in these days as we talk about Jerusalem Judea, Samaria, yeah. yes. <laughs> and all of Israel yeah. yesterday, today, and forever. But we'll talk a little bit more about yesterday as in King David's day. Would love to. Let's see where God takes us on this journey as Craig Muster uh, and Kaz continue. We will be right back. You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K Praise. Don't just listen to it, be a part of it at 866 577 2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on K Praise. Greg Hendricks, Rock Church, East County. God is doing a wonderful work in the city of San Diego and all over the world. He's uniting the hearts of the people, but most importantly, he's drawing us back to what our original purpose is, to love each other. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on K-Praise. Here's Cass Taylor. Hello, my friends. Well, Israel lover Craig Muster of Awakening International and I just came back from Israel not long ago. And um, as a fellow worship leader and a guy who absolutely loves uh, David's input in Scripture, uh, we discovered some very interesting things about the how, why, uh, and when of King David. Uh, especially going over to Israel it was an opportunity, Craig, for us to actually walk some of the walks that uh, David did before he was king and after he became the king. And, you know, we talk about how illustrious it is for King David. It was not not always illustrious. It was always, many times he was fighting uh, battles not only with enemies foreign, but also enemies domestic. Uh, you have an experience that you want to share with us about one geographical place in particular. Why don't you take the, yeah, take the ball on this? You know, one of the places that we wanted to visit were the caves of Adullam. And that was where ultimately David hid after he had to act like a madman to avoid yeah. being killed. I always love it because it says he scrabbled on the walls, which yeah. it says, and I like to scrabble as well. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And some people would say when I use a whiteboard, that's what they call that as well. So <laughs> there has to be an interpretation for what I draw. <laughs> but David actually fled to the caves of Adullam. We wanted to visit there. And it was interesting. The guide kept saying, are you sure you want to go to this place? So yeah, we, we have a word from Lou Engel. He released a word over Carlette and I a couple of years ago that the songs from the caves of Adullam, that we would put that up and, and it would shift something. So we went... We wanted to go to the caves of Adullam where David wrote some some of the psalms he wrote in the caves of Adullam, but that's where he gathered his 400 mighty men. Mm. And they were not mighty when they gathered. They were in distress, in debt, and discouraged. But it says that his family came to him. It's in First First uh, uh, Samuel 22. His family came to him there. And, um, and so when we got there, we're picturing, you know, uh, this cool cave experience. Mm. What do they call it? Um, uh, 
gramping the glamour, <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. And uh, and we're thinking, hey, this is going to be great. We're going to bring everybody up there. And the tour guide kept saying, are you sure you want to come? He said, yeah, we want to go see this cool place that David hid in for three to nine months. Nobody knows exactly how, how long he was there. But we show up, and the entrance is has a swarm of bees around it. Oh, my. A swarm of bees. And the entrance is so low that you have to get on your belly and you have to actually army crawl into it. So they told us, hey, you have to army crawl a little bit and then you'll pop up into the cave. We're thinking, hey, this will be easy. No, 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 no. You're talking about five minutes, pitch black, dark. You can't see anything except your flashlight with your phone. And we have our tour guide in front of us and you have to crawl on your belly, army crawl for a good five minutes where, where the cave is actually... On your back, it's it's it is not an easy thing, and we're going in a line. We finally get to this opening in this cave, and she turns around. She says, "Okay, this is this is one of the caves because there's several caves. Maybe fit twenty people in there. So you're talking four hundred people in these caves." And she she turns you around and says, "Hey, look at see in the wall. And there's there's these little holes in the wall dug mm-hmm. out." We said, what, what are those? She said, that's where they would raise pigeons. Oh, my. They would raise pigeons for for food, and, and they would have been there during the time of David. So we're looking around seeing holes that David could have dug himself in the wall to survive. And in that place, not much, not much oxygen. One thing we realize, you have to be desperate to go into that place. Mm-hmm. There's only one way in and one way out. And if you're claustrophobic at all, it's a challenge. My, my. And we get into this place pitch black. You can't see your hand in front of your face, but you're you're thinking, oh, this is where David and his men... Hung out. Hung out. Yes. Hung out. I mean, they were, they were relaxing, but on edge, right? They don't know at any time Saul and his army could come looking for them and find them there. Yes. This is only a couple miles from the Valley of Elam where David killed Goliath. You don't realize how close it is. So yes. you're talking how many years prior David kills Goliath and only a couple miles away now he's hiding for his life. Against the guy he was... Uh, that he fought for. Yeah, he, he, he was the yeah. uh, major uh, warrior on behalf of Saul and the armies. Yes. And all of a sudden Saul realized that there was a little bit of a threat there because David uh, was a more appropriate king. Saul has killed his thousands and David's his tens of thousands. That's what the people were crying. So immediately it made Saul a little apprehensive to have him close by. Uh, but then again, he was pleased to have him close by. But then again, he wasn't. And then again, he was. So poor David wasn't really sure what temperature uh, Saul's attitudes were going to be at any given time. Yeah, especially since Saul was even a father figure to him. He, yeah. would, he would call him father and, and Saul would call him son. It was a very awkward kind of a situation. And then, of course, you know, Saul's daughter promised to David in marriage. So there's all kinds of... And Jonathan, of course. Jonathan, David's best friend, is Saul's son. It is it is interesting, though, because it's in this place that 400 men start to shift their attitude. And only worship could take 400 men in discouraged, in debt, and yeah, yeah, yeah. disoriented... And, and, and I mean, distressed, distressed, in distressed, debt, and discontentment. Yeah, yeah, and those words mean that they they, they lived a narrow life, that... that that life was not broad for them, meaning that the conditions of their life was determining their future. God wasn't. They they had been hemmed in, which is actually what the word curse means, to be hemmed in. Life had hemmed them in. But a worshiper knows how to worship beyond the condition so that 
condition can't him you in. Worship magnifies God. Yeah. Worship builds. It doesn't make God any bigger, but it makes God bigger in your own soul. And so David, the worshiper, transformed the lives of 400 men by leading them into a place of worship in these caves. And many of them became David's mighty men. David's mighty men. Oh. Yes. Matter of fact, you actually have it. The first place, if you read through it, and it's part of one of the chapters of the book I'm writing called Plundering Your Darkness, and we go into how to plunder your cave. How do you go into your cave and plunder it? There came a point where they had bonded as a group, that that season of bonding, because sometimes you need a cave to bond. You just need to, (laughs) hey, I just need to hide for a second and and stop defending myself, right? But at one point, it says the prophet Gad came to David and says, you must get out, otherwise, basically, your cave will become your tomb. Mm. You must come out of the cave. And when David came out, it says he came out into the land of Judah. Mm. He exited the cave into the land of praise. Number one, of course, that's David's tribe, the tribe of Judah. And number two, he came out into a land of praise to explore his personal inheritance. He had to know what his personal inheritance looked like before he could lead an entire nation into their inheritance. That's so good, Craig. Craig Muster uh, with Awakening International here in San Diego and beyond. One of the things that when I read through this, my friend, if you're interested to follow along, you go to First Samuel 22, uh, starting at uh, verse 1, and, and read about uh, King David and how the men assembled there. Uh, they, they were n- not the heroes of the day. They were the dis- discontent. They were the downcast, downtrodden. And but God gave me a... a uh, some truths about this, about uh, you and I as worship leaders. Yeah. Uh, b- before God empowers us, we have to come to the cave of, of a Dulam experience. And, you know, many of us uh, in that are worship leaders, we have levels of distress about, you know, the, the, what our calling is and how, how we can fulfill our calling and things like that. Or l- literally, there are a lot of uh, worship leaders that don't have much money because they're living on a... a a song, literally, literally, and then of course you, uh, discontent. There are sometimes that, as a, as a worship leader, you feel like you're obligated to the pastor more than you are to the Lord, and it's it's a conflict there on exactly knowing how far to go. So as I realize that the same, the three categories of be, being in distress, in debt, and being discontent are things that worshipers today experience as well. I say, let's have a cave of, of a dulum experience and be released. That's right, and I think that is the point. Don't wait for conditions to change. Have your experience now. Mm-hmm. Have it right now. And if you can learn how to write songs in that place, then you can write them on a mountaintop. And I think that's, you know, when, when we were in the cave, we actually put a demand for San Diego. So if you're a worship leader or if you're a songwriter in San Diego listening right now, you got to know we actually put a demand for new songs from the Caves of Adolan to be released from mm. San Diego mm. and the sound of San Diego to be released through worship leaders. Wow. I'm going to extend this this segment for a couple more minutes because I want to talk a little bit about another aspect of uh, David's trek to uh, Mount Zion and um, the experiences that he had because all these things happen to them, for example, is unto us. We we desire to be at that mountaintop experience, yes. not only as we worship, Craig, but also as we function. Yes. We want to be uh, uh, the best attuned, the highest, most effective uh, warrior or whatever uh, servant of the king that we can be. And a lot of times we look in the mirror, and we go, we're so, we're so far from that. Yeah. But God has a plan to get us there. And he had a plan to get David. He wanted, David wanted to bring the ark of God's presence to the top of Mount Zion, which was called the Mount Jebus when the Canaanites had it. 
And he transformed that, and he was able to put this this uh, ark of God's presence there and build a little tent around it, and it was twenty four seven worship for the for like about forty years. Yes, and, but it, it wasn't an easy task getting there. And let's spend it. We've got about a minute and a half. I want to spend in this segment. We'll expand expand the segment a little bit. But you visited a place that's one of my favorite. Um, references as as I teach about Obed-Edom. Yeah. So kind of cast the vision of what was happening with David. He is now, um, he's now ascended to the kingship. Yeah. And he had spent seven years in Hebron. Yes. And now it was time for him to bring the Ark of God's presence into uh, Mount Zion, which they had just conquered. Mount Jebus became Mount Zion. Yeah. And his heart cry was to, that was going to be the focal point of worship and praise. Uh, but then he was faced with a place and a person tied to Obed-Edom. Yeah. So, you know, the first time that they try to bring the ark up, they're doing it on a cart and, you know, carried on a cart and it starts to tumble and, a, and Uzzah reaches out to steady the, the ark of the covenant and dies. And it's, it's one of those moments you're not supposed to touch the ark. And the ark was, was supposed to be carried on, on the shoulders of priests. It was never intended to be carried on something man made, only God made. And that's the presence of God. So, so that's when David says, hey, we need to make sure that none of us are going to die. And Obed-Edom's like, hey, send, send the ark to my house. <laughs> like, I'm ready for this. And so they, they place the ark of the covenant at Obed-Edom's house. And wow. it's that, that's, that's the, you know, when we went to visit where Obed-Edom's place was, I'm telling you, talk about, talk about the hairs in your arms standing up. And when you get to look from that place and you can see Jerusalem from the place where Obed-Edom's house was, you could see the trek that was ultimately took. And I guess we'll we'll pick that up a little bit more Because we want to relate these things to us today as well. Yes. I did a little bit of research last night, and I didn't know this until I did some research last night, but Obed-Edom was a Gittite. Yep. Uh, he was the father, get this, he was the father of Jeduthun. Yeah, Jeduthun, right. and Jed, if you want to understand who the the leading lieutenants in King David's day, the worship lieutenant was was uh, Haman, Jeduthun, and Asaph. Yes. They were the guys. So uh, Obed Edom was the father of one of the three main guys of worship and praise during King David's day, uh, and also uh, Jeduthun and uh, and Obed Edom. They were tied t- tied to a Levitical tribe of. Merari, which was the the guys, if you look at back in the days of the tabernacle of Moses, the Merarites were the ones who set the tent pegs in in place before the coverings could go on and before the Kohathites could actually bear the furniture to go in. It was the Merarites. Wow. So I thought it was a very interesting thing yeah. that the, the, the Obedidism was a guy who was the peg setter. He was uh-huh. the one who established the foundations for everything upon which everything else could be built in worship and praise and even government. Wow, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. And so what we're going to do in the next segments is we're going to tie this. We talked about uh, uh, Jerusalem yesterday. Now we're going to talk about uh, the truths that we discovered from the yesterday into the today. And we're going to deal a little bit more with that. So, my friend, I hope that we've whet your appetite because uh, Craig Muster of Awakening International and Kaz will be right back. More Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor is next. FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor. FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. And we're back. (laughs) 
be honest with you, my friends, I can hardly contain myself. Craig Muster of uh, Awakening International came back from Israel in the Holy Land a few weeks before uh, I left. And so I said, let's do an entire show because I will have come back by then as well. Yeah. And a lot of the common denominators that you're experiencing and I'm experiencing need to be shared. So that's what we're doing. We're talking a little bit about Israel and Jerusalem and the city of David yesterday, today, and forever. So we've talked a little bit about it yesterday. Now we're talking about it today. In the last segment, if you were listening, we were talking about Obed-Edom and and the journey that David made the first time in error, and he had to learn some lessons. The second time he was successful in his bringing of the Ark of the Presence to Zion to worship and praise 24-7 during his entire kingship. Yes. My, my, my. But this whole Obed-Edom environment was something very special to you because God had spoken into you about that. So let's, we've, we're transitioning from the yesterday, which we dealt with. Now let's talk about the day, today as Obed-Edom and what it means to you today, yeah. uh, Craig Muster. Yeah, so... The ark is in Obed-Edom's house for several months. Yes. And finally, David sends word, hey, find out what's going on with Obed-Edom. How is it affecting him? And when when they go to Obed-Edom's house, they realize everything of Obed-Edom's is blessed. (laughs) I mean, everything is blessed. Uh, Because that's what the presence does. And of course, the ark represents the presence, power, and provision of God. It's all three. You get the complete package. It's who God is. And so he's he is blessed on every level you can think of, and that's when David said, "Okay, it's time to bring the ark up yeah. to Jerusalem." <laughs> and they start the two mile trek, roughly uh, on the on the backs on the shoulders of priests, and every six steps they do a sacrifice. I know that boggles my mind. Every yeah. six steps they every do a six sacrifice. Steps. Which means that there was a blood trail from Obed-Edom's house to Jerusalem. And they had to take their time. Mm-hmm. They had to stop. And so every time they took six steps and then there would be a sacrifice and six more steps in a sacrifice. And it, it, is, it is the same revelation of, you know, six days and then you enter into the rest of the Lord. Because David was understanding, and you see David, right? He's, he's dancing wildly. This is when he says, I'll even be more undignified than this. Because he's capturing the revelation that the presence of God requires a sacrifice but it wasn't his. Yes. He was seeing into the future of a Messiah who sacrificed the perfect spotless lamb. Jesus Christ would be the one to sacrifice. And he was entering into that grace and almost tra- a thousand years right. before. Right, and his transition from Obed-Edom to the city of David. Exactly. And, but this is very special to you because, uh, my friends, you may not know who Lou Engel is. He's one of yeah. the, He is really a leader of leaders, not only in the United States, but he, his prophetic voice is well-received throughout the world. Yes. And uh, he's a guy who he's steeped, steeped, I mean seriously steeped in prayer and fasting. That's right. And so when he ha- has a word for you, you pay close attention. Yeah, so, very much so. And Tell the story. As, you know, about three years ago, he was with us on a Sunday morning, and he had prophesied about six months prior about the case of Adolam. And so he was with us on a Sunday morning, and at the end of the service, he simply said, I have a word for you guys. He had preached that morning, and he says, you're a Bethlehem, you're an Obed-Edom. Now understand that prophecy over Bethlehem was the smallest of clans, and out of it would come Jesus. But then he says, you're an Obed-Edom, and you are called to protect the presence It doesn't matter how big or small you are. Your mandate is to protect the presence until the time 
that the presence is to be brought up on a hill as it was from Obed-Edom's house to Jerusalem. And he says over San Diego and over Los Angeles. Say that, 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 that again, <laughs> would you please? <laughs> Until the time that it was to be brought up on a hill in Los Angeles and San Diego. And we prayed over it. And it was three years almost to the day. It was the three years, the same month, actually, of the prophecy. It was in March of 2016. And in March of 2019, we were at the area of Obed-Edom's house and we were decreeing it's time for the presence to come up on a hill over San Diego and Los Ooh. Angeles. Do you, my listening friend, do you realize what Craig Muster has said right there? If, if you're San Diegan and you've had a heart that God, that you feel God wants to use San Diego in a unique way, uh, worship and praise is really the the genesis of it, the, the beginning of this and prayer and government and warfare and all that other stuff happens as a natural, supernatural result of this intimacy yes. with God. Yes. Do you realize what Craig said? He said, God desires also this place to be as uh, as an Obed-Edom preparation for the establishing of the Ark of God's presence in San Diego and Los Angeles? Uh, San Diego and Los Angeles, because when, when the presence is put up on a hill, everything works. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, you're talking about the the gates of a city being transformed by the, the habitation of the presence of God. And from that place, the church is released to do its work. And there you know, in 2009, one of the one of the most powerful angelic visitations that my wife ever had, um, an, an angel came to her in the middle of the night, and, and maybe we can go into details in a future segment, but um in the middle of the night, we both woke up to the sound of a treasure chest slamming. And I and she said, did you hear that? I said, yes. And I was about to go downstairs to check it out. And the Holy Spirit said, no, it's an angel come to talk to your wife. And I fell fast asleep. And she went into an angelic encounter. And the angel said, actually, the, the Holy Spirit said, ask for things back that have been taken from the enemy. Ask for your treasure back. And the angel said these words, worship is the key to everything. Worship is is the key to everything. Now, here you have David. He has been anointed king. Yes. He's going to begin his kingdom and his kingship. And he knew in his heart of hearts that this had to be tied to the intimacy of worship. Yes. So before he could actually function effectively as a king, he had to establish 24-7 worship and praise on this mount called Zion uh, around the ark of God's presence. What does that tell us for today? Yeah, I think sometimes we look at the temple and rightfully so as something brilliant. And, and we, because the temple is a, you know, of course, in heaven, Hebrews talks about the significance of what that looks like. I think we fail to realize that the generation that that actually got the blueprints for the temple were the generation that that worshipped around the tabernacle. Mm. It, the generation that was raised around the tabernacle had the capacity to build the temple. And so there's something about being raised around the Holy of Holies. We, we talk about this all the time that nobody, nobody owns the throne of God. Mm. No stream, no denomination owns the throne. The throne owns us. <laughs> so the, the, the throne of God owns the church. I mean, we are owned by Jesus Christ and worship. It is impossible for there to be division and true worship simultaneously. You have to let go of division. Now, you can you don't have to let go of your differences, but you do have to let go of offense and division in order to worship God in spirit and in truth. My, my. And government comes 
The government authority of Jesus comes from submission submission to him completely. My and worship is what brings us into that state. Which reminds me of a scripture which is appropriate to this in Amos 9-11. God says of today, these last days, I'm going to build this tabernacle of David. That's right. Which has fallen down. And he's got people, my listening friend, you are among the builders for this. And he says, I'm going to build it as in the days of old, that the residue of men... The Edomite, as he says, shall come to know me, says the Lord who does these things. Do you realize the the the, the impact, the, the truths that God is giving to us today, now, not only San Diego County and L.A., the, you know, Southern California, but this needs to happen throughout the world. But we, need, we get to have an opportunity to showcase this and be a prototype for this in San Diego County. Yeah, and I don't think it's a coincidence that David's sin from UK is here this year in 2019. David's sin. And, and maybe in another section, I'll, I'll t- share with you what's going on as far as uh, the other David's sin in Washington, D.C., yes. and uh, Tent America across the different. Uh, Awaken the Dawn. Awaken the Dawn. Yep. Yes, yes, yes. I, uh, all these things are happening <laughs> all in the, the United time. States. Yes. And San Diego is a key. It is a key. And if we understand that things flow out of intimacy, God shows us things out of friendship. And we get to see aspects of him out of friendship. And David saw things way ahead of time. He stepped into he stepped he stepped into the grace of his son. Yes. And I mean, you think of David as a son of, or Jesus as a son of David. David was blessed because he stepped into something a thousand years early because permission was there, but mm-hmm. only people could see it, took it. Yes. And so I believe we're in a season right now where, where, where Jesus is saying, here, you have permission, but if you want to see what you have permission to do, first worship. Because the permission's there, but not all, and not everybody's stepping into it. Not everybody is stepping into the grace that God has for us in this season. So He's saying, "Hey, this is what I have for San Diego. Here's here's your inheritance." Because we don't get to earn anything from God. We just get we we get our inheritance. Inheritance can't be earned; it has to be discovered. But worshipers discover their inheritance. Yes. And San Diego is discovering what its inheritance is in this season because we are worshiping like radical David <laughs> and we just don't care anymore. Yes. And, you know, my friends, here, here's the deal. We're talking about uh, yesterday, today and forever. In the past segments, we talked about the yesterday of Israel. And and today, now we're talking about the today, not only of Israel, but also of areas in the United States and San Diego and, and uh Orange County and Los Angeles and, and Southern California and beyond for the entire United States. But I think we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the today in Jerusalem as well. Yes. Because if you step back, you realize the things that are going on in the United States have are similarly going on in Israel, or I should probably more appropriately say, appropriately say the things that are going on in Israel are being mirrored in the United States because yes, that right. really is the foundational yeah. place. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in the future segments as we talk about uh, Israel uh, and the city of David and Jerusalem yesterday, today, and forever. I am with Craig Muster, and he's the Awakening uh, uh, International a pastor along with his wife and so many other people and restoring the arts to the church. Come oh, on. Wow, how yes. perfect is that? Yes. So we're, don't go away. We've got another complete hour of the show to do, and we've just begun the excavation. Uh, Craig Muster and I will be right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. 
KPRZ, San Marcos, Poway, and K29CR, Encinitas. FM 106.1, North County. AM 1210, San Diego. K-Praise. I'll tell the world, world, world. Come together, San Diego, with Cash Taylor on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. I'll tell the world, world, world. And I'm back with uh, Awakening International's Craig Muster, pastor, worship leader, and fill in the blank. He's an artisan, and he, he has a real heart cry for seeing the arts restored in San Diego, and he's starting in his own home church as well. And it's good to have you, Craig, as we walk through uh, Jerusalem and Israel, and we walk through San Diego together as well. You know, in the, in the, in the first hour, we talked a little bit about uh, Jerusalem yesterday and today, and we began talking about today as it relates to San Diego, the things that are going on in San Diego for worship and praise standpoint. But as I step back, not only at worship and praise, Craig, but also the whole governmental structure and the threat against the government and uh, Judeo-Christian values uh, is threatening in Israel as it is in the United States as well. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And so what I, one of the things that I want to bring to fore here is in the same way that the negative things are happening against Israel and against the United States, also very positive things are happening. We talked a little bit about in San Diego they're happening, but you, when you were over in Israel, you had a chance to meet with some other people. There are a lot of artisans here who are beginning to comprehend the the, the freedom of creativity. That's the uh, Tabernacle of David mentality that's very pleasing to God, and it's happening over there as well. So I want to set the stage for this segment for you to talk about some of the things you experienced today in Israel as it has to do with the restoration of the arts. Yeah. You know, I think we're at a season and at a time where Renaissance is becoming a reality, meaning that when, when God's beauty is seen, uh, you know, the heavens declare the glory of God. There's (laughs) something that happens when, when creatives and artists uh, get together and begin to do things and create things that cause people to see the glory of God. So manifest presence of God, the presence of God isn't really understood by pre-Christians, but the glory of God is, which is uh, art is one of the glories of God. And so I actually, we, we did a creative collaboration in Jerusalem with Kobe and Shani Ferguson. This is just a few weeks ago. This is just, yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and we, we did was we brought our, you know, our authors like Bray, of course, Bray Wyckoff and Jill, a painter. And then we had so many other creatives as a part of our team because just it, he, we we attract a lot of creatives. Yeah, you travel with them. Yeah, it's it's you know, they bump into us entrepreneurs, business people and creatives. They, it's uh, we're, we're just a collaboration and of a self and a community. And so when we went, they have a studio in Jerusalem, a state of the art music studio where they do recordings. And they are collaborating. They bring together from all of Israel, not just Jerusalem. We had three or four musicians from Nazareth. Some Palestinians from Nazareth came down. Um, And you had a room full of musicians from around Israel mixing it up with our artists and our authors. And we were just looking to see what does it look like to reach Israel through the arts and what does it look like to bring the prophetic into the arts? Not just prophetic within painting, but of course prophetic within music. And not just what we would deem prophetic worship, but prophetic music, meaning shifting atmospheres through a recording. And people don't even know it's worship. So they're actually seeing Muslims love their music because they don't know it's Christian. 
Mm-hmm. And they're and they're able to, you know, it's like an underground thing. You know, don't tell anybody this, but we're all listening to your music because it's amazing. <laughs> and it's it's taken from that point of what happens when God breathes on the arts. His voice comes through the arts. His expression, his artistic masterpiece comes through the hands, through the mouth, through through the yielded person, whether it's a, a woman or a man through the arts. And right now, Jerusalem and Israel is being transformed through the fellowship of artists. Oh my, I had an opportunity, you know, I pay close attention to the artisans of Israel, yeah. uh, the present day. And I'm always amazed at how creative, uh, you know, you, you look at Crazy. Israel and then, you know, they're one of the most creative yep. from an artisan standpoint, but also, you know, in, in, uh, inventions or medical or technology or you name it. Nobel the, Prize winners. Exactly. How many? What's the percentage? Crazy. Yeah. yeah. So God is definitely doing something in Israel and it's because uh, of part of it is because that's the promised land. And part it of it's is because it's, it, the, the Jews are God's kids and yes. also but we re- begin to we get the revelation that we're his kids too uh believers in the Lord Jesus Christ all of these things get to dovetail together and we, you know what we don't have to evangelize or proselytize all of a sudden let God's art and his uh creative uh heart cry bring people together and all of a sudden you realize wow we have much more in common than we have against one another and let God do the healing that's right and i you know a couple of years ago i'm on the phone with kobe and we hadn't seen each other in about 10 years. And he and I said, what are you doing? He says, you're not going to understand it. I said, well, just try me. He <laughs> says, uh, it kind of looks like church, but not like regular church. We have what we call a fellowship of artists. We focus on family and the arts. I said, no, I get it. This is what we've been doing for about 10 years in San Diego. And to your point, you know, I mean, how, the intercessors that put together that map some 13, 14 years ago, the, the San Diego County, the shape of San Diego County is the same shape of Jerusalem. Oh, And there's... So you, they would put even the gates, the gate beautiful is up at Carlsbad and the fish gate is San Marcos. And they did this amazing prayer mapping of San Diego County. And here we're running parallel fellowship of artists, creatives. And so we actually, we're bringing them in for our kingdom creativity conference at the end of June. We're uh, bringing Kobe and Shani in for that. Uh, would you spend a moment or two telling about that? Because that is going to be remarkable. My listening friend, grab a pen or a pencil and make notes. Right? Yeah. You know, the last weekend of June, kingdom creativity conference, we're bringing in Kobe and Shani. We have Rebecca Friedlander as well from San Diego. And it and it's a convergence of creatives and business people, entrepreneurs and creatives coming together for a weekend and Every time we do these conferences, there's an immersion. People walk away transformed. They hear God more clearly. There's something happens when you start to be celebrated as a creative rather than tolerated. You know, when you're like, oh, it's okay to be a creative. Nothing's wrong with me. And if you're, if you're, if this is you and you're creative and you will just want to find your tribe and come to this, you know, we actually do even have a CAS discount. Oh, or oh this my. conference, Kaz. Oh, my. Yeah. So you can go to awakeninginternational.church. That's awakening, www.awakeninginternational.church. And when you go to register, when it has a promo code, just put the name Kaz, oh, C-A-Z, oh and you'll get a $10 discount for the conference. But Kobe and Shani from Jerusalem are coming in, and they're going to insert something from Israel at this conference. Trust me, there's going to be an explosion that's going to happen. I, here I think. 
I, I see this more than just an expo- explosion in San Diego County, but this explosion is happening concurrently in Israel yes. and Jerusalem That's and right. beyond. Yes. So as you see what's happening, when you when you identified the shape of San Diego County and yes. the shape yes. of I- Israel? Yes. Same. Oh, Same. Come on, please. Yeah. <laughs> So, my listening friend, pay close attention to this venue that's coming up, especially if whether you're an artisan or not, or business or whatever category it is, to discover what your calling is, to, to move into it with great zeal and vigor and focus, yes. uh, it would be of value to you. Once more, the the time, the place, and the website. Yeah. So, it will be up in Oceanside. It will be at, uh, at the the location and the address. It's a theater in Oceanside. It's Grace Vineyard is the name of the church and the location that's going to be hosting us. But at awakeninginternational.church, that's www.awakeninginternational.church. Go there, register, put Kaz's name, C-A-Z, into the promo code. You'll get $10 off. And I'm telling you, come get ready to be ignited and get ready to sow something into Israel at that conference. We're going to pray over Israel at that conference for a revival to break out in the arts. Oh, I, you know, you, you're, you're stirring my heart. Come right? on. Because we have the, we really both have a heart cry for the restoration of the arts in San Diego County. And my listening friend, you know, you, you've been kind of in doldrums here and there. You go, what's my calling? You, you would be amazed that God has, has built into you a calling. And when, you, when, when it actually voices itself in you, you go, I should have known this from the very beginning. Yeah. But he wants to activate this in you more That's than ever right. before because we're entering into a time where your calling and your skill sets are need to be activated to fulfill God's plans to prepare for his kingdom, whether it's worship or the arts or business, anything else. And uh, God's saying, I want you to get close to other people that can help you direct you to what that what that might look like and feel like. That's that's correct. And getting ignited, getting, you know, awakened to who you are and to all of who you are, not just the part that we've led with because we seem to be, you know, accepted with that part. There has to be a place for you to come with all of who you are and awakened and even the parts that haven't been celebrated for those to start to be celebrated. It's okay (laughs) to be a novice again. Let me just say that. If you're going to create in life, you've got to be okay with being a novice, not being an expert at everything. You have to find a family that celebrates the things that you want to try for the first time. Even if you're at 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s, it doesn't matter. You've got to be willing to try things again for the first time. And if you find a, a group of people that are going to cheer you on they're going to celebrate your risk something gets unlocked inside of you you find your voice you find your skills the ones that have been dormant for a while the gifts you know it's when paul tells timothy hey you know you need to awaken within you that what you receive from the laying out of hands well god doesn't doesn't just give us impartations for preaching he gives us you know there's impartations for painting there's impartations for music there's impartations for writing books there's graces that the church must move in in this season to move into the arts to shift culture and mindset cuz culture and mindset the fastest way to change culture and mindset is through the arts and through education well wow. craig muster not surprisingly the name of his ministry is awakening international because his heart cry is to awaken yes. whatever that is within you and yes. bring it to full vitality and uh, I think this is really appropriate because we're going to spend the rest of this second hour talking about the forever. In other words, we've talked a little bit about uh, the the past and also the today. But see, God didn't build us for today only. That's right. He built us for 
future use, eternal use. And when we realize, when we start garnering our skill sets and our calling, then he can go, now I can activate you for future purposes. And we're going to talk about the future purposes in the remainder of this two-hour broadcast because it's going to blow your mind. If you think you're in heaven now, you may be in heaven, but we're going to introduce you to the third heaven. Come on. (laughs) In in the next segments, my listening friends. So uh, Craig Muster uh, with Awakening International and Kaz will be right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the new live local show with Cass Taylor. FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. <laughs> Forgive me while I laugh a little bit, my friend, because this this thrills my heart. And, and Craig as well, I know he's kind of like a, a kid as well. We're discover we're entering into the things that we've looked forward to from for a long time. Have isn't that right, Craig? Yeah, it is. And it is. when we we coming back from Israel and Jerusalem, we realize that it's a tandem relationship. San Diego County and Orange County and Los Angeles, uh, Southern California, uh, we can be prototypes for what God is doing in Israel as well. So we've spent some time talking about the yesterday of yeah. Scripture and promises in uh, Israel and, and, yeah. and Jerusalem and, and the things that happened back then. But we also talked about the today. But God's plans don't end with the today. In fact, today is the preparation for the eternity. Yeah. And so I, I'd like to spend the remainder of this show talking about the forever plans for uh, Jerusalem and uh, San Diego County, but even beyond that, for God's uh, reinstitution of his kingdom age, a thousand year rule and reign with Messiah. Are you kidding me? I can, I, I'd like to give you a scripture. We'll use this to launch into that. Is, are you with me there, Craig? Come on. <laughs> Come on. In Zechariah, we're talk, let's talk about Jerusalem and Israel for just a moment. In Zechariah chapter 1. Uh, the, the scripture talks about my uh, predicting what is going to happen into the forever, and we're setting the stage for, for the forever now. In Zechariah one seventeen, uh, the scripture talks about my cities. God's saying my cities will overflow and uh, they will prosper once more. And the scripture talks about, I will comfort Zion. And again, 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 I will choose Jerusalem. Yeah. So what he's doing right now is he is choosing Jerusalem, but step back another step or two and you'll realize he's also choo- choosing uh, Southern California to be a prototype of the things that he's doing in, in Jerusalem as well. It totally blows my mind. But then in, further on in Zechariah chapter 2, it says, many nations shall be joined in that day to Zion. Yes. Of course, there's the natural Zion in Jerusalem, and there's the spiritual Zion uh, in uh, other areas in in, in the United States is experiencing a Zion level of Davidic worship across the United States as well. And it reminds me of another scripture in uh, Isaiah around 60. It says, and this is a scripture my friends, you and I use all the time and Craig uses it. I've heard him use it as well. It says, arise, shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And it talks about the Kings coming to the brightness of your rising. Here we are. And this is not a scripture that was only for the yesterday or even the today. It is to prepare for the 
forever. So you want to speak into this a little bit about uh, what's going on and God, how God is preparing us for the ever and you forever. And you can relate to Jerusalem or you can relate to San Diego, however you want to deal with this. Craig Muster. Yeah, you know, I think, again, in terms of going back to what is the key to everything, there is something that we are going to be doing for eternity, and that's worshiping. (laughs) So we get a head start. Remember that song that said, you know, every knee shall bow, um, but I'm going to do it now, basically. (laughs) It's like at some point it's going to happen, but I'm going to start it now. We're pointing to something, to communion with God for eternity. And we don't fully understand that word communion with the Greek mindset, because Greek, the Greek mindset still separates so much, you know, body, soul, spirit, these three. Communion with God is oneness. It's oneness with God. And that's what we experience in worship. That's what we experience in the presence of God. And go, to your point, even the connection to the past, present, and future, I mean, Lewis said for years that, that what happens in Jerusalem or Israel, all it sparks something worldwide. You know, 1948 is the, the year that Israel becomes a nation. And uh, there's around, right around there that the atomic power of God through prayer and fasting was written here in San Diego that launched the healing revival. My, my. So Israel becomes a nation in 48 and the atomic power of prayer and fasting, the atomic power of God through prayer and fasting is written in San Diego that launches a restoration of the power gifts of healing back to the church that had been dormant for a while. 1967, six day war. It launches. It's like the short, I mean, six days and God intervenes in such a way that Israel is crazy. Six day war. And at the same time, Jesus movement bursts in Southern California. And what is that pointing to the future? It's pointing that as we see the arts and the presence of God restored to Jerusalem, we are coming into a season where God's brilliance is going to be put on display in our future like never before. A solution-based church rather than a problem-based church is is rising right now. Say that again, a solution-based. A solution-based church rather than a problem-based church. The church is about to be known more for bringing solutions to world problems than ever before rather than simply calling out the problems and complaining about them as if we're somehow underdogs. We are not underdogs. The church of Christ is not without authority. All authority was given to him has been given to us. And the church is about to rise as sons and daughters in creativity to bring solutions to the earth. And it's going to be worshipers that do so. It's going to be worshipers that do so. And let me step back to a comment that you made earlier in this segment. I believe it was a segment you're talking about. It's not the 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 Greek mentality. It's yeah. not the Roman mentality. You know, in, in the United States and even in other countries that embrace Jesus Christ, we have a hard time comprehending the depth of, of, of that relationship because we only dare to dig as uh, deeply as our Greek mentality goes. That's correct. And the Greek, the the foundation of Greek thought has a a spirit world and a natural world. So everything's kind of separated. God's either, you know, he's somewhere in the spirit world and we're walking this out until we get to heaven. The Hebrew mindset is one world, two realms where the spirit realm and the natural realm are affecting each other all the time. And the, everything that is seen comes from the unseen. And so training the body of Christ to understand its spiritual senses are are even more real than their physical senses. They can sense the presence of God, feel, taste, hear, smell, see the presence and what's happening in the spirit realm. And then teaching 
teaching the body to move from that place. It's, it's what Hebrews 6 says, you're anchored behind the veil in the spirit. That means you're anchored in the holy of holies. You're anchored in the place where maybe not every question is answered, but every need is met. met. Ooh, I love that. And and uh, uh, the time that I spent this time around in in in. Jerusalem, as I said, most of my time was spent with the Orthodox Jew. Yeah. An Orthodox Jew is someone who does not believe in Jesus as the Messiah yet. Not yet. But 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 I purposed when I spent time with them, and it's not to proselytize them. My my position was: you're seeking the full truth. I'm seeking the full truth. Let's let God take His course. We know where that's going to go. The way, the truth, and the life. We know where it's going to go. But without trying to force that on them, it takes a lot of the pressure out. But the things that we have missed by disregarding our Jewish counterparts is, is sad. And what God wants to do is he wants to re- return us to that intimate relationship. You know, when people talk about, let's get back to the book of Acts, chapter 2 church. Well, that's okay, but in, he, he, but I think that's going to be a springboard into even greater things. But even that, we are so far from the book of Acts, chapter 2 church, because it was Jew and Gentile together. Right now it is uh, Gentile, it's our church, and Jew will maybe let you get grafted into our church. It's completely the opposite. We They're the natural olive branches, be, and we're being grafted in as wild olive branches into their perspective on things. And and Jesus is not a Gentile. No. Jesus was not a Greek or a Roman. He was and is a Jew. Over his head when he was crucified, did it say king of the Gentiles? No. It said king of the Jews, and we embrace that. But do we really? So one of the things I think God wants us to do is to get back to our literal roots, and those roots are rooted in the Hebrew truths. And God has spent so much time with embedding his truths in in the seasons, in the months, in the celebrations, uh, in the festivals and feasts and things like that. That the Jews have been trained in this. They just the light hasn't clicked in some of their eyes as far as the depth of that. They they get the natural depth depth, but they don't comprehend how Jesus plays a role in those things yet. But they're on the right letter of the law truth. And when the spirit of the law kicks in, it'll be amazing. But we, I have to speak to we Gentiles too. If we're not really we don't desire to have anything to do with the Jewish people. You're missing the the opportunity for that intimacy that God built through King David and yeah. the son of David, and here we are today. That's very well said. And I think we can take a look at when when you know Moses talked about uh, when he says he you know show me your face and in that word's paniam it's the many faces of God the full expression of God and then God says hey you can't it, you you wouldn't survive that so I'm going to show you one of my faces which is the goodness right and that's when the glory passed and he was forever wrecked but what ends up happening when you actually come into Christ that means you're in Jesus. He starts to show you multiple sides of who he is not just one. Mm. You don't. The only way I can describe it is this, and this, I'm, I mean, we, we leave Valentine's day. It's like a Valentine's gift. We're saying, Jesus, we're coming February 14th, 2020, back to Jerusalem, back to Tel Aviv, back to Galilee. We want to go to Nazareth this year, but there's something that happens when you're in the land with the Israelis, with Mm. the Jewish people, you see things you never would have seen. That's right. You just wouldn't see them. You see, you see sides of God. I mean, I, I study scripture all the time. Okay. I, I read, I read the Bible all the time. And until I got there, there were things I'd never, I mean, we're again, we're in the desert and the, and the tour guide says, Hey, you know, um, 
you know, in the, the sounds of the desert, it, everybody thinks the sounds of the desert, everything's silent. But when you go into the desert, the first day it's quiet. You don't hear anything. The second day you start to hear the desert. But by the third day, it's like a roar. You hear everything in the desert because all the white noise that's been going on in your mind has gone away. Meaning the sound has always been there, but you couldn't hear it because of the white noise. And she said this. She says, when God told, talked to Elijah and it says a still small voice, it's sometimes translated whisper. It's an awful translation. She said, actually... The best way, the way you do read those words in Hebrew still means silence, small means thin, and voice means a shout or a cry. All roll up in one. Silence, thin, and shout roll up in one voice. The connotation is this. When you silence yourself before God, the first day you might not hear anything. The second day you might just hear a whisper. But by the third day, you hear his shout. Wow, wow. And after three days, we know that that, that is tremendously powerful. Yes. In a symbolic sense as well, my yes. resurrection friends. We're going to talk a little bit more about this in the, in the remainder of this show. But the, the truth of the matter is, if you think you got it by reading uh, the original Greek Wait right. till you get to the original Hebrew. Come on. And yep. I'll, I'll tell you what, God has got plans for his church. God's got plans for his Israel. God's got plans for his Jewish people. Yes, and we're going to be merged together in a one new man uh, perspective. I, I, it's going to be beyond what we even anticipated. Yeah. It's going to be beyond what the Jews are looking for. All of a sudden, we're going to go, oh, this is that. And we're going <laughs> to talk right. about how this is that in future segments to the top of the hour. I'm with Craig Muster of Awakening International, and we are going to continue to what do I want to say? Uh, excavate his yeah. word through his spirit, which is alive and well and moving right now in this studio. So Craig, Kaz, and Holy Spirit Come will on. be Right Right back. (laughs) You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it at 866-577-2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. Name is Jim Garlow. Two things. First one negative, second one positive. Negatively, if we saw the condition of our nation, we would all be in prayer. Positive. If we could see what God could do with our nation, we'd all be in prayer. Now, more of Come Together San Diego on K Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. I have to laugh a little bit because you just heard the voice of Jim Garlow, who is one of the generals in San Diego County. He has a ministry now since he uh, moved from Skyline. It's called Well Versed. And he travels the not only the United States, but parts of the world that you wouldn't even believe. He was in Israel recently as well, and you talked about Lou Engel uh, being here as well, there as well, Craig. And Ray Must, Bentley And Ray well. Bentley That's was right. there as well. Yeah. And I was there going in their shadow. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think you were bringing some stuff while you were there, my friend. Well, we, we're having to, man, that's exactly right, and this is a timely show because this is really kind of setting the stage for the future of what God wants to do, Craig Muster. Yeah. But I wanted to spend a little bit of time, in fact, for the entire remainder of this show, tying in the forever part of what we talked about on Israel and and God's plans for Israel, Jerusalem, but also the United States, and in particular for us in San Diego as a prototype city, what that forever looks like. But before we do, we talked a little bit, you and I, about the value of the Hebrew perspective. Yeah. Yeah, it's essential. It's not a side thing. It's like looking through a fractured 
lens, looking through glasses that are fractured and wondering why you can't see things clear and you kind of kind of know and kind of don't. And once you get the foundation right, things just start to clarify. Yeah. And you wonder, I know a lot of people that have gotten saved and and then, you know, 20 years later, they don't feel that they're walking in authority. They don't feel, they feel that they're constantly broken. And and so they think that something must be wrong with their salvation. Something, something must be wrong with maybe Jesus or something's wrong with them. A lot of times it is a worldview. And the worldview is simply not foundationally Hebrew. And because of that, um, they're not understanding how to access the authority that they were called to walk in. Oh, that's so true. You know, I'm looking at the clock and we've got another commercial break before we actually do the last segment. But so I'm going to just use this to set the stage for the last segment as well. But I'm going to read to you. We were talking about the value of the Hebrew perspective. And we in the Gentile church, for the most part, have missed it. Mm -hmm. And it turns into anti-Semitism. It turns into replacement theology. It turns into what they call supersessionism, as in uh, what's going on today supersedes anything that happened in the past. Those are not true statements. No, and they create so much chaos. And, you know, Scripture talks about not moving ancient boundary stones. And when you move those, you really disconnect yourself from inheritance. Yes. I'm going to read some something that I've discovered this person, and I brought him on the air a time or two as well. His name is Mark Biltz, and he's out of, uh, I think he's out of Seattle, but he's up in the in the Pacific Northwest area, and he has a church. But he, he is a guy who really digs into the original Hebrew and things, and he's got some great insights. I'm going to read from one of his newer books. It's called Decoding the Antichrist and the End Times by Mark Biltz, what the Bible says and what the future holds. I thought that was appropriate. I want to just read one segment for this, and I'm going to close this segment with his comments and make a, uh, we'll do a real quick comment about it, and then we'll uh, end the show with talking about that. But listen to this, my friend. We're talking about the value of embracing your Jewish brethren. We're talking about the value of understanding the things that God's doing uh, in Israel, in Jerusalem, in the city of David, uh, in Zion, right now. Now listen to this, talking about the Greek mindset is where we have a tendency to stumble, we Gentiles. And uh, Mark Biltz says in his book, Decoding the Antichrist and the End Times, he says, Paul gave up on the Greek mindset communicating with the the Greeks uh, from Scripture. He says, the the brand new believing Gentiles with no Torah, with no background, still clung to Greek philosophy for their moral base because that's all they had. He says for about 2,000 years, there was no Israel. In in Scripture, you know, for for 2,000 years, there was no Israel. So we Gentiles who had the Bible, we had to extrapolate things. We had to say, well, this symbolizes this. Well, this symbolizes that. And all of a sudden, in 1948, Israel has returned, and we have to rethink how we misinterpreted scripture. So he's saying we took the Greek philosophy and the Greek mindset to come to things that we call Christian, but are suspect to say the least. That's right. And so what God wants us to do is to return to our uh, true Judeo Christian values. And he says in during that time frame, what was the church to do? It was uh, as if they decided uh, there's no no room for both of us, Jew and Gentile. This, this Jewish perspective is not fitting for our theology. He says um, Messiah could no longer be Jewish. He said his mother became Catholic and his relative John the Baptist uh, and his neighbors be, uh, uh, became Nazarenes and then they were a completely separate entity. In other words, they, the whole the whole 
roots of the Bible have been re- replaced because we, we had to replace Jews because there was no Israel. And all of a sudden in 48 and beyond, 1948 and beyond, that's not true. Israel is Israel. And we need to play a vital role in that. And let me just read one more section here that he said. He said, Jesus is still king of the Jews. He says, uh, uh, was he the king of the Jews or is he the king of Christianity? The truth of the matter is he is the king of the Jews and we are grafted into that privilege. So in the next segment, uh, after the commercial break, we're going to spend all that next segment to talk about what that looks like and how we need to change our way of thinking because God wants us to be prepared for the most magnificent events in all history. And my friend, if we're not equipped, we're going to be uh, sorely in, in, in sorely afraid and in, in very bad places. So God wants us to see things, take off our shade, shade glasses and see things as they really are. So, Craig, you want to spend some time in the next segment talking about this? Would love to. Okay, my friend, we have to take a break, and then we'll, we'll be right back. More Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor is next. FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. Well, Craig Muster, the, the, the two hours goes quickly, doesn't it? It, it does. It, <laughs> it feels like we just got here. Craig Muster, my co-host for the entire two hours, uh, the pastor of Awakening International in San Diego County and beyond. Uh, you have a real heart cry for reaching out beyond San Diego County, but you got to hang somewhere. You have to. <laughs> and I remember, you know, Cindy Jacobs released a word over San Diego in 2003. She said that San Diego would send out more missionaries per capita than any other major city in the U.S. Yes. And other prophets have proclaimed into San Diego as well. Some talk about the building again of the Tabernacle of David seated yes. in San Diego County right. and beyond. I took that to heart because, you know, you and I have a real heart for God building again the Tabernacle uh, uh, of David, the Tabernacle of praise and worship and intimacy. That's right. And we, we talked a little bit about that in the previous segments about how everything launches from that intimate worship and praise, intimate relationship between God and his kids. From there, government happens. From there, rulership and reigning happens. From there, war is conducted and won. Yes. From from there, uh, every other, you know, creativity, all these other facets come from that intimate one-to-one relationship and worship and praise. That's right. And when we try to walk in authority outside of intimacy, it never works. Mm-hmm. It never works. You're You're reduced to your gift mix. If you don't have friendship with God, what you can produce in your own gift mix and other people might think you're walking in authority, but you know, you're not. And my friend, I, I, this has spoken to me in the past with the things that Craig said, and that is the challenge is for us, you know, to, though we lost the anointing and it happened in Israel as well, that when they lost the King David anointing, yeah. Solomon began to stray and, That's you right. know, you know. he collected wives, he collected horses, he collected gold and silver and precious metals. And he said, my wisdom can handle it without the need for the Spirit of God. And he was sorely mistaken. My friend, we have a tendency to want to fall into that category. We go, okay, I've read enough of the Bible. I know what it is. I can apply that. That is completely wrong. So let's spend this last segment. We've got a few minutes left in this segment. I want to talk about the forever of God's plans and how it's important right now, Craig Muster, for us to hear and obey, but also connect horizontally so that we can connect vertically as well. 
Yeah, that's right. There's, you know, John 17, I think it's Francis Schaeffer, because Jesus' last, one of his last prayers while he was here on earth, that, that we would be one, that the world would know that Jesus sent, that Jesus was sent by the Father because of our oneness. And Francis Schaeffer says that Christian community is the final apologetic. There's something horizontal, and Christian community cannot be without Israel. Mm. It's impossible. And if you understand the covenant that was made with Abraham, in Genesis 12, and then later on, of course, um, later in Genesis, when, when God walks between the split animals, um, and, and the, the, to make a covenant, you split them animals in two, and two people on each side would do a figure eight, like an infinity sign. They'd end up on the other sides, and that would say that, that my promise to you, may it be fulfilled, and if not, I will be like we, one of these animals split. Hmm. And then Abraham falls asleep, and he's not even able to walk. God actually comes in a pillar of light and walks between the animals for both himself and for Abraham as a sign of what he was going to do through Jesus. And this Jesus. is where in scripture? This is in, I think it's chapter 17 of Genesis. Uh-huh. And the the promise was that God was going to fulfill his covenant to Abraham. And that covenant was never replaced. The Mosaic covenant did not replace Abrahamic covenant. The, the covenant in the New Testament was fulfillment of the covenant with Abraham. Abraham all the way back in Genesis. And so we actually come grafted into the vine. We get grafted into the vine of that covenant that God made with Abraham. So when we try to go beyond or we tried to sidestep the covenant with Abraham, we miss everything. We miss our entire inheritance. And so it's the fatness of the vine that we've been promised. Why reduce Christianity to salvation from sin? Hmm. Christianity at its heart is not salvation from sin. It's a fulfillment of covenant, which includes the removal of sin, but it's so much more. It includes sonship. It includes authority. It includes walking in power. It includes wholeness. It includes you being the glory of God to the earth, which is why all of creation is longing for the sons of God to be revealed, which is the, the term weos. It's mature sons. You are not a mature son if you think you're not grafted in the vine of Israel. You got to go back to the roots Mm, and go back to the roots of covenant to understand all that you have because you've stepped into Christ. My, my, my. Craig Muster, I I count you, Craig, as one of the people that has a real hand on the heartbeat of God. You know, you, you, you understand you're a man after God's own heart. I've seen this of you and I know you, you're embarrassed about me complimenting you like that, but that that is the truth. And one thing would honor us in this show, if you would be so kind to you, you know where San Diego is. Yes. You have a sense, you're getting a sense of where Jerusalem and Israel is right now. So I would like you to do kind of an, an overarching prayer for San Diego and let's say Southern California and the United States. Yeah. And also in Jerusalem and Israel as well, as we have just a couple minutes left. Uh, would you mm-hmm. launch out a prayer or a proclamation, whichever yeah. it tends to be? Yeah. And my listening friend, we're going to uh, end this program after Craig finishes his prayer and proclamation, and we're going to pray God's blessing over you. Craig, uh, yeah. uh, uh, Craig Muster of Awakening International. Yeah, and I, I want to speak to San Diego. And, and 
you know, it is time. There's a connection between San Diego and Israel. And if you have a chance to go, you've got to get to Israel. Whether it's with us, February 14th, you can go to awakeninginternational.church and sign up today. It's already up and ready to go. February 14th of 2020. If Kaz is going to go next year, I mean, we're going to go as much as we can. You've got to get there and experience what God is doing in Israel. But I'm going to speak to you, San Diego. Now is your time to rise up. The world is waiting for a city to live in hope, not in desperation, um, because, not in desperation as, as one begging God to show up, but as one confident and certain that God is good and he is powerful. He's not just good, but he is powerful. And he's not just powerful, but he is good. He is good and he is powerful, which means he has a power to do something about not just your personal life, but about our city. So I bless you, San Diego. I came back from Jerusalem with a passion for San Diego like I never had before. It was the weirdest thing. I've always loved San Diego, been here 13 years. I came back with a mandate from God to awaken San Diego to its calling to be a city on a hill of hope in who God is to bring solutions not only to this region, not only to California, but to the United States states and to, to, to usher in the harvest. This is a season of a harvest. So I'm speaking to you, San Diego, and to all the church of San Diego, rise up and take your place. Find your tribe. Be awakened to the call of God on your life. Trust me, your future is much brighter than your past and, and the solutions that God is going to give you to not only your life, but to the nations around, around us, to Mexico, to Canada, to the nations across the sea. God is going to give you solutions to your sphere of influence. It could be the the neighbor across the street, or it could be the nation across the sea. He wants to use you, and I bless you in what God has designed you to do. Oh, Craig Muster, Awakening International. You've tapped into, I believe, the heart of God in that prayer and proclamation. My listening friend, uh, how can you do more than to just seek God and embrace his calling, but get horizontal and get vertical at the same yes. time. And don't forget Jerusalem and Israel, my friend. Come on. I guess we're out of time, Craig. Wow. Thanks for joining me. And uh, my listening friend, I hope you were uh, enthralled by this message as well. It was only, uh, it was only, we were only the vessels for this. Holy Spirit did it. Craig Muster, Awakening International. Kaz Taylor, we're honored to have had you with us on Come Together San Diego. More next week. God bless you mightily. Bye. Thanks for joining Chaz Taylor and his many friends, including you, for Come Together San Diego. Join us again next week as we explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within this county and beyond on Come Together San Diego. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell a co-worker, and then let's all come together San Diego next Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.